welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Less Doing, more living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. So it's funny because for the last few episodes, we've been listing so many more links, and and I, and I told you we'd be listing so many more links, and uh, I feel like the last couple episodes now, I'm, I'm I'm talking about less and less. But again, there are a ton of links in the show notes for this episode, which you can find over at lessdoing.com that I'm not going to discuss on the air today, basically, because either I think that they're only interesting to a small subset of people listening, maybe they're too niche, or I just feel like I've talked about them before, but they're still relevant. So if you want to get the full scoop, go to the show notes at lessdoing.com, or you can view them, of course, on your podcast player. But I do want to talk about some today. So first of all, today's interview was with Mike Vardy of The Productivityist. And I met Mike, Mike and I have been following each other, I think, for a while now. But I met him when I spoke to Entrepreneur Organization in Victoria Falls uh, several months ago. And Mike came to the talk and we got, we hit it off. And it's always nice for me to talk to people in the productivity space because quite honestly, there are a lot of people who talk about productivity, but there's not a ton of people who are doing it at a very high level, I guess, and who have their own systems and have like a methodology. And uh, Mike is one of them. So uh, Mike and I had a really great conversation. I was on his podcast a little while back. And there's a lot of similarities in the sort of philosophy behind how we are productive that both of us tend to really like. So I'm sure you'll love that interview. Now, if you are out and about, not at your computer, make sure you text the word do less to 33733. And that'll get you signed up for the less doing newsletter, where you can get an infographic on how to get to inbox zero and also get all of our awesome updates each week. The other thing is that I am just now playing with my official consumer version of the Pavlock wristband. Now, the Pavlock is, I I beta tested this probably a year ago with a little 3D printed version that Manish Sethi, who created it, uh, let me use. And the idea is that you push the button on the thing and it shocks you pretty strongly, I have to say. And uh, you are able to hack the ability to break a bad habit. They've used it for smoking cessation, losing weight, all sorts of things. I am currently using it to stop snacking. Yes, that is a problem that I face, (laughs) especially right now with my wife pregnant. I feel like I'm feeling this empathy that makes me eat more. And it's not that I'm eating unhealthy stuff. It's just that I feel like I'm grazing constantly. And the problem, honestly, with that is that there's no clear definition of a meal in my mind. And it's just not good. it, It doesn't give my digestive system a break, and it's just not good for my concentration. So every time I feel like I want to have a snack, I give myself a shock and it, it shakes me up enough that it stops. But I have to say, if Manish is listening, this final version is way stronger than the previous one. And it's really scary too, because you push the button and then two lights come on and then one light comes on and then it shocks you. So it's actually pretty scary, but, uh, you can use this for all sorts of things. It's extremely 
I mean, it's amazing, honestly. Like, it's so effective and so quick. So if you go to a lessdoing.com slash shock, you can get your very own Pavlock wristband. So there's a bunch of links I want to share with you today. The first one is called Tap Slash. And this is an extra keyboard that you can install for your iPhone. Now, there's a bunch of services out there that offer specialized keyboards. And most of them do something very, very specific. Slash Keyboard does something super cool. It, it gives you a bunch of slash commands to do a whole host of different things. So, uh, for example, you can hit, you can use the keyboard, you can hit slash Giphy or Jiffy, and it'll connect you right there on your keyboard to the the Giphy website, which is the the animated GIF search engine. And that may seem silly, but the truth is, is I actually really like communicating with animated uh, GIFs or GIFs. Uh, Sometimes it really does communicate what you want to say without using any words. It's very efficient and quick. But more than that, you can share uh, Yelp reviews. You can share a location. You can share songs from Spotify. It's really, really powerful videos from YouTube. You can share them right there. And the search function is very seamless and quick. And uh, I have to say, I'm, I really like it. It just, it, it makes communication quicker. And in a lot of ways, it makes texting feel like Slack to me. Uh, although, of course, you can use this keyboard anywhere that you would use uh, your keyboard on, the, on the, the iPhone. So you can use it in your email or in Slack or in WhatsApp or, or anything else. So that one's called Tab Slash. The next one, it's a service called Easy Swag. And basically, you can get all of your swag made in one place. And I have to say that this is a very slick integration. So I've mentioned Large Assistant before. And Large Assistant is a Slack. It's not quite a bot. It's human-powered. But basically, you add Large Assistant to your Slack channel. And then you can use it like a personal assistant in some ways. You can ask them to order lunch or uh, do research. But now they have this service called Easy Swag where you can... It's powered by large, so it's in Slack, and you can get T-shirts printed or a tennis ball with your logo on it or socks or whatever you want. But basically, you just ask large in Slack for what you want, and they will get it done. So it's a really nice little integration that they've brought in there. The next thing is called Instant Instant. Uh, instant app, I guess. It's instant for iOS. It's, it's your life on a dashboard, so you can track all activities automatically. Now this is for the iPhone and for the Android devices. So this will actually tell you how much you've used your device that day and how many times you've unlocked it. It'll show you the places you've been, the apps that you're using and how much you're using them. So it's it's basically a, a really interesting life logging kind of app that runs automatically. So try it and see how you're using your phone. You can almost think of this a little bit like rescue time for the iPhone. Now, the next one is called Syncio Music Library. So this is <laughs> instant music for your production created by real musicians. Yes, so this is pretty cool. Uh, basically, you can you basically can explore music by genre or by mood uh, or by certain playlists even, and you can get uh, music that you need. So this is this is kind of like uh, stock. Uh, photos, I guess, stock photos or stock videos. And basically, you can use this for any project you want. So whether it's for a video that you're making, or maybe it's for a podcast or something that you want to you share, uh, this is a really easy place. It's, it's essentially 
a, a music library, but it's a really cool interface. I have to say, I'm, I'm, I like it a lot. Uh, okay, so then the next one is called Startup Threads, and this one I'm particularly excited about, and we're going to actually start using this with uh, a couple of our projects. But Startup Threads lets you create custom swag packs that are assembled and delivered automatically. So if you are in the customer service business and you want to have, or I'm sorry, if you want to provide you know, something special for your customers, you can create a box with your logo on it that has a t-shirt in it with your logo on it, with a water bottle with your logo on it, and a custom moleskin notebook with your logo on it. And basically all of this stuff is created and assembled, packaged, and shipped for you using their API. So this really allows you to make, uh, first of all, you can use this to really show your customers something special. You can use it to honor special employees or certain relationships. It's just really cool. And they have a lot of different options. Like you can get socks and watches and phone cases, all sorts of stuff made custom and they put it all together for you. Uh, there's an article over at Medical Daily called Mindfulness Meditation for Stress Relief. Why cleaning can be so relaxing when done correctly. So I have talked about this before about how washing the dishes to me is like meditation. And there's actually been research on that specifically. Uh, so this was another study done on dishwashing actually. And they, they actually used a trick to turn this into a stress reliever. So they took 51 college students and had them wash dishes. And before they began cleaning, each participant basically read a brief dishwashing passage written by I'm not going to pronounce this properly, but Thich Nhat Han, a poet writing Buddhist monk who advocates for peace. They were told to really smell the soap and sense the water temperature. Uh, while washing the dishes, one should only be washing the dishes, which means one should be completely aware of the fact that one is washing the dishes. So basically they're talking about being present. But what they said is that by immersing yourselves in the experience of washing dishes, it actually resulted in measurable stress reduction. So you can take this to mean that, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. Uh, Jordan Harbinger, friend of mine who runs the Art of Charm podcast, often says uh, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Uh, and you can look at it this way. So even if it's something as mundane as washing the dishes, do it with full intention and it will actually result in a reduction in stress, which is pretty cool. So I just have one more thing I want to share, which is called Luco. And this is an MIT project. It's a non-invasive white cell count that doesn't require needles or punctures of any kind. It's a home-based self-test. You can track your white blood cell count daily. So if you have a condition where you are, you know, un well, if, unfortunately, if you have any kind of disease, basically, you can use this as a way to track the health of your immune system on a daily basis. You can also use this if you're undergoing chemotherapy to track the effect that it's having on your white blood cell count. So this is a really interesting and amazing innovation from MIT that allows you to test this kind of information much more often without any pain. So that's all I have for today for what I want to actually talk about on the podcast. I do want to mention that in the boot camp now, we have some really cool things going on. Uh, on Wednesdays, I do a live call with everybody, which I've been doing for a couple weeks or for a little while now. But now my partner in the Less Doists, uh, Nick Sonnenberg, does a webinar on Mondays at 1230 that is all about outsourcing. So we answer technical questions and also offer suggestions for things that you can outsource. So it's really focused on that. And then on Tuesdays at noon, Kayvon 
Khalil Zadeh, who is a Less Doing Certified Coach, runs a live call where he talks about a little bit more of the high-level stuff, the sort of entrepreneurial mindset, problem-solving mindset, and goal-setting and commitments as well. So there's some really cool developments going on over at the Less Doing Bootcamp. And that's all I've got for today. So enjoy the interview with Mike Vardy, and thank you so much for listening. Have a very productive week. The Less Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how Less Doing was born. Less Doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, we've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my Less Doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself, and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free, and you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back to making things easier again. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the interview. So now I'm speaking with Mike Vardy, who is the man behind Productivityist. So Mike, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. No problem. Thanks for having me, Ari. Absolutely. Um, so you know, before we get to Productivityist, I want to talk about who were you before? Before I was a food court and deli manager at a Costco in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, and from there, um, so I learned a lot about managing. If you've ever been to a Costco, you know that the deli is in the back and the food court's in the front. So I did get really decent with my time management. Um, I left there in uh, late 2005. And uh, at that time, I started to do some online work, but mainly uh, just kind of dabbled in, in, in a couple other things. And then I kind of was trying to balance a comedy career, which I was doing decently enough with, but you know, decently enough still didn't pay the bills. And so I was trying to balance all that stuff out and uh, started to study productivity, but in the process realized I was actually just studying productivity instead of being more productive. So I fell into the trap of productivity porn, as they call it. And you and I are pretty familiar with that. So, <laughs> so I uh, started to do a parody side of it. I, I did a Stephen Colbert-esque take on it called Eventualism, where I portrayed this eventual productivity expert, where it was all about getting things done eventually, which is what most people do anyway. And it caught the attention of, you know, I, I interviewed Seth Godin and, and uh, Jonathan Colton, who kind of inspired me to move on and, and do that kind of thing. And, and, and David Allen. And I interviewed David and David's people said, hey, you know, would you like to write for us? And I said, sure. And they said, just don't make fun of us. And I said, all right, that's fine. I, I can, I think I can do that. And uh, from there, I started to write more um, along the lines of what I do now. And instead of being a productivity, you know, parody artist, I eventually became what I've, what I've now become, which is a productivity strategist. And that's kind of where productivityist came to be. Cool. Well, okay. So first of all, 
when you when you decided to start like looking into product, I'm really curious actually about this specifically. But what what was like what was the first thing you looked for when you were starting to look to how to be more productive? Because <laughs> I, I went through a similar thing. The, the first thing I did was I mean I was trying to do we were starting a comedy troupe here in Victoria and I I had left so I was at Costco at the time. And when, when I started with Costco, I kind of left the creative career behind. I've always been a bit of a creative, a bit of a, uh, I love performing in front of an audience and, and, you know, I was a writer and all that stuff, but you know, the, the quote real world happened and I had to get a real job and 12, almost, well, I guess it was close to 12 years actually passed while I worked at Costco. Well, during that time, um, a buddy of mine, my roommate said, Hey, you should come to this improv thing. You, you know, you're pretty quick on your feet. And I did and boom, the acting bug was back. So I was trying to balance all that stuff out. And I was up late at night. I'm a night owl. And lo and behold, who came on was Tony Robbins. And I'm like, hmm, oh, whatever. This guy's full of mumbo jumbo and all that stuff. But then he started, to, I started to explore some of what he was looking at. And he had the time of your life program back when it was called OPA. Now I think it's called RPM or whatever. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this thing. And so I started to go through that. And then it was Covey was next. And then David Allen was next. And it just basically steamrolled from there to the point where, like I said, I was looking at all these different places and saying, wow, I know a lot about productivity, but wait a minute, am I actually being more productive or have I just taken on a whole other project now? <laughs> so, and so that's, but it, but ultimately what's happened is I've been able to kind of marry the performing aspect of it with the creative stuff as well as the practical stuff that people really need help with. So it was, it was an interesting journey. Um, you know, I never would have, if you'd said 10 years ago, Hey, guess what? You're going to be this guy who does, you know, productivity talks and you've got some books that you put out. I would say, no, 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 I'm going to be on stage performing improv and doing fringe festivals. That's what I would have said I would have been doing. Not not so much. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, now uh, how do you feel in general about the, uh, the GTD principles? Um, you know, I think that the, it's, it's interesting. His new version is definitely more holistic. And I think that that's what's been missing from it. But the problem is, is that GTD is so, it, it, it's so regimented in a lot of ways. Yes. And it seems, you know, and overly complicated. Like, yes. it's, you know, like if someone was to say, I do the weekly review every week, I would go, you're, no, you don't. There's no way. Like, it's just as a purist who's, who, what, I mean, I was somebody who did it like, and tried to do it. It's just impossible. Um, in, 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 in as much as doing every aspect of it. So, you know, and I know you've got, you know, you've, you've, you've got your own system. I've got my own system. And I think ultimately most of the systems are born from just trying all these other ones and kind of making one that fits for you. And then you find other people that go, Hey, I like what you're doing. What are you doing? And that's kind of what, but yeah, GTD, the idea of capturing, I think is incredibly important. I think, yes. um, the idea of context is, is valid, but I think it's too difficult for most people to wrap their heads around. Like context is, is kind of a word. And I think that's because it's business speak more than say, I mean, I, I discuss modes, right? So I, I like to use which people can get into, especially, you know, if you watch the Seattle Seahawks, you'd see like Marshawn Lynch goes into beast mode. People are like, oh, so he's like high octane. I'm like, so I think that there's definitely some vernacular there that you could use. But I think that it's just too regimented, too complicated. And you end up with with just so many layers that if one aspect aspect of it breaks, the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and I, I completely, completely agree with you. And, you know, I, I mean, I've had David on the podcast and I've spoken, I mean, and there's a lot of elements of GTD that I think are fantastic, but 
the problem that I like one of the problems I feel like is that GTD works for somebody who is who's already of like a systems mindset in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like, I, I, and and of course, it's not fair to say like it doesn't work for I, I could whatever generalization I want to come up with. But at the same time, I feel like you take somebody who is maybe a stay at home mom or something, and they're just extremely overwhelmed with all sorts of stuff. And I think it's harder to insert it in that kind of a life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, often you've probably read the articles, GTD is not for creatives. I disagree. I don't think it's for every creative. Just like, you know, I mean, like you said, I think anyone who is, who has systems in place and wants to, you know, take that to the next level uh, in terms of extra systemization, that's fine. But I don't think you necessarily need to do that. I think you just need to have, um, you need to make that system a bit more durable rather than, than, I mean, I'm a big believer in simplicity, flexibility, and durability. I think that those are the three things you need when you're, because then you can transfer that no matter what in work and in life. And, and you, you probably come across this cause I have is that people are GTDers at work, but then when they get home, that kind of stuff falls apart. Like they don't do it necessarily there or a lot of people that, you know, the horizons of focus. I've talked to a lot of people that use GTD, and this is not a condemnation of the, of, of the system at all. David and I have had many conversations about this. I mean, we spoke at South by Southwest a couple years ago. We had a chance to chat about it a bit as well. I, mean, I think that what happens is a lot of people get stuck on, quote, the runway, you know, or maybe the 10,000-foot level, but they never go beyond that. So they get stuck in the day-to-day, which gets them into that mode of doing productive instead of actually being productive. So I, well, I no, 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 back up there. That's a very good point. So what, and, and I want to just harp on that for a second, the, you know, being productive and doing productive, like that's what I, what I like to say a lot of times with people is, and is that, uh, t- technology, you know, I love, t- I love apps, I love services and things like that, but I, I, my system at its heart, there's a whole sort of mindset shift that needs to take place. And, and what I tell people is that technology will simply amplify habits, whether they're good mm-hmm. or bad. And so to what you just said, you know, I, I, I've, I can't imagine, I can't even count how many times I've had the conversation with somebody who said like, Oh, I have you know I have ten thousand emails in my inbox, but it's fine because I'm just going to install these three uh, plugins tomorrow, and then it'll be it'll be great. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Or or they're going to get mailbox from you know oh, yes. the you know I mean. But that's the thing the the approach is way more important than the app. Um, you know, I, th- I can't remember the exact quote, but like men can become the tools of their tools. Like that's kind of what we've seen <laughs> happening, right? And and I think that yeah, technology is both a help and a hindrance. I mean, we look at a tool like say Evernote, which is if if you use it intentionally and you pay attention to it, it can be amazing. But if not, electronic clutter is way worse than than physical clutter because stuff just gets hidden in there. And then you're like, well, I don't have a mess, but you do. And and your brain knows that you do. And so you and then you eventually say, well, Evernote isn't working for me. Well, no, you're not working for Evernote. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. You know, that's always like it's all it's not well. Yeah, it is actually a little frustrating to me when I when there's something that I want people to try and they're like, I just don't get it. Like I haven't tried it, and then they haven't really even gotten into it or given it a fair chance. You know, like um, we just had this experience. I just had this experience with somebody where I had actually created like a screencast of how to use this particular how to use Trello actually, mm-hmm. and uh, I sent it to them, and you know they 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 wrote back and they're like, I don't get it, and then we tried to do like try to work through it, and they never watched the video. Yeah. You know, and so it's it, it, there. People always want to do things their way, which is fine too. And you know, it's it's it's. I think that a good productivity system has to be adaptable, and obviously, it's not going to work for everybody. But at the same time, like people have to be willing to change. 
You have to figure out what's going to work first. Like you have to, I mean, you and I both have gone through many, many, many systems. So we know like kind of, okay, GT, this aspect of GTD works really well. This one does not. This aspect of the, or, I mean, the, the Covey matrix, which really is the Eisenhower matrix. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are aspects and, and of that. Sorry, and just for people who don't know what we're talking about, that's the yeah. urgent and important. important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that aspects of that can work really well. Like you can have, I mean, I've taken the, uh, when I've coached people, I've said, you know, they love the urgent, important idea. I'm like, okay, we'll make that a mode. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you can have urgent mode, mode and important mode. And you can, you mean, if a flag means urgent to you, and that's the one thing that, I mean, Trello is a great example. Trello is, if you try to do GTD in Trello, it's very difficult because the lists are projects. That's how you would normally identify them, mm -hmm. right? Yep. The cards would be tasks, but because you can archive them, but people, you can't check them off. Like you can't give, you know, you can give a due date to a card, but you can't check it off. And then there's, of course, the checklists inside of it, which are subtasks, which are big no-nos in GTD. So then all of a sudden, that's what confuses people. So instead, you can say, okay, well, look, what if you used it? Like Trello is really good for Agile and Kanban and stuff like that. We use it a little bit. And I, you know, I coach people on it as well. But you have to be willing to be open to the idea of, okay, here's a tool Let's get, let's teach you an approach like your approach or, or my approach, like, you know, the, for, for mine's the now your method and, and, you know, I mean, yours is, the, you know, yours is, and yours is the less doing, right? That's basically what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, you teach those and then people can take, and that's what I love is I sat in in your workshop, you're here in Victoria and there are aspects of ours that definitely cross over, but there are aspects of ours that don't. And the cool thing is, is that people could take hybrids of each and make it work for them. And that's awesome because our jobs are just to say, Hey, Let's make it work for you, for you. We, we want to put the personal back in productivity. And there's so many tools out there that don't do that. They just remove the personal aspect from it. And that's why people say, you know, hey, let's just try OmniFocus or try this tool or, you know, put Gmail filters on and, and all that stuff without actually giving it proper thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like a, a good example of that is SaneBox. So mm. do you, okay, good. So mm -hmm. I, I'm going to be I'm going to guess based on your reaction. I don't like SaneBox. And no. not only do I I mean I have my own system for email management which I recommend with people, but my, my one of my main problems with SaneBox is well actually there's two problems. One is that it it actually ends up creating like multiple folders that people then have to go through and check. But the other thing is I'm not a fan of a lot of these services that have like a quote unquote smart algorithm that makes decisions for you in terms of mm -hmm. what's important, what's not, because in my opinion, then you can never really feel at ease because you never really know if it's working properly. Right, right. I mean, that's the other reason why I don't necessarily trust the priority inbox for Gmail. Oh God, no, 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 absolutely not. I think that's <laughs> one of the worst things they did. Yeah. It, it was funny. Someone said to me, they said, what do you think of them? Like, you know, it's like email can be, and this is going to sound very, very harsh, but email is like a, can be like, it's like a cancer, let's say, let's just use that term. So instead of them trying to find a cure for it, they go, let's just make sure we can identify the different cancers that you have. You know, like, like let's break them down into the different ones. There's no, it's no better now. It's just now you at least know the different types you have. Well, that's not what we want. We want to be able to make sure that people can, you know, and I know what your system is. And I think that yours is very, again, yours is very simple, right? Yeah. Some people really layer it and layer it and layer it on. And I mean, I have one person who said, you know, what they do is they star all their emails that are important that they need to read instead of moving it to their task app, let's say. And I said, so how's that working for you? I'm like, I have hundreds of starred emails. I'm like, so what does that? star mean to you now it means nothing 
You know, it means if you prioritize everything, then you prioritize nothing. So, I mean, you have to, yeah, like you said, there's some tools like uh, Unroll Me. I, I used to li- really like Unroll Me until it until I didn't look at it for a while. And then I'm like, oh, like emails from particular people from domains wouldn't show up that I was expecting, you know, because you'd, you'd roll, the, it would look at the whole domain. I'm like, oh, so I had to be, I had to go in and be very selective. And and people need to, and, and there's a really simple way to, to help you with that. If you want to use an automation tool like that, it's important for you to check in with it every once in a while, you know, to make sure that th- something hasn't changed or that maybe your needs haven't changed. Like I just have a task in, in my task app, Todoist, that says a review on Roll Me roll so that way i can go and say oh this shouldn't be rolled up anymore or better still you know i can just unsubscribe to this so it's about maintenance i think maintenance is important but the problem is is that when i get back to that doing productive over being productive we end up maintaining doing a lot more maintenance than growth or than execution we just end a lot of like we're we're tending the garden when there's nothing actually in there but weeds (laughs) instead of focusing on you know the actual nurturing of, of what we want to have growing in there yeah, you know, and I just want to say I really appreciate all the things that you're saying because I and I knew that we were going to have this type of discussion, but I, I, this is the kind of thing that everyone listening should really take heart and understand that you know Mike and I are talking about really a psychological, emotional relation to productivity. If you've noticed, like we're mentioning apps, but we're not really talking about how that's the key. Like that's kind yeah. of the point. Like this is really how you kind of how you relate to this stuff and 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 how it fits into your day. So actually, on that note, do you have any sort of like daily routines that you go through? Yeah, I have morning and evening routines that I use religiously because I think that, you know, they bookend your day really. The middle of my day never looks the same, uh-huh. um, but, the, but the beginning and, and middle or the beginning and endings do. So like, for example, uh, every morning I get up and I splash water on my face. Just to, I'm not a morning person, so I need that jolt of cold water and I'm not a cold shower therapy kind of guy. I've tried that and no. Um, <laughs> and then I will make my AeroPress coffee. I will have a Nutriblast for breakfast from the Nutribullet uh, shake thing or whatever. And then I will read for 30 minutes. Um, and now I read upstairs because my kids, all my kids are in school now. So I want to be able to help. I don't actually start work till nine 30 now because I want to help take the kids to school in the days that my wife goes to work. So I read upstairs for about a half hour. Then I come downstairs and I have a, a silver board. I used to put this on paper, but I moved some stuff around in my office. So I have like a silver whiteboard, um, on my, on my office as soon as you walk in and I have written down what I call my three absolutes. So those are the three things that I must get done before I do anything else. So, um, it's when, funny when do you write those down, I'd write those down the night before. Okay. So my evening routine is actually more important than my morning routine. So when I do my evening routine, what'll happen is I will journal. I will, sorry, I will go through my, uh, my task list and I use Todoist and Asana. I use Todoist for my personal stuff, like stuff that I'm only working on individually. So things that are personal in nature or things that are professional that fall a little bit outside of the productivity landscape. And then we use Asana for productivity stuff because we're a larger team. And then what I'll do is I look at those, I figure out my three absolutes from those mainly from Todoist because in some cases what I'll do and this is a bit redundant is I'll take some some stuff from Asana that needs to be done particularly by me and move it into Todoist and there's a lot of ways to do that because of the way uh, task apps have email addresses so what I'll do is I'll write down my three absolutes on that board and then I will write in my journal and I journal every every night on, in day one it takes about five minutes and then 
the then I close my office door. I bring my iPad upstairs with me. I've set up my bookshelf so that I have a standing iPad desk now, and I have a Herman Miller sitting desk for if I want to sit so I can go to back and forth. And then I'll take my iPad with me out the door, shut the office door, and that's it. I don't come back in the office for the rest of the night. And then the next morning I wake up. I look at that silver board as kind of like the letter from like wizened old Mike from the night before who's really, really knowledgeable and wise. For morning Mike who would just come down here and go, ooh, look, what's new on Facebook? Like I need that there. And I like the silver whiteboard because it's shiny and morning Mike would be distracted by very shiny things. And then that's kind of how – and I theme my days too. So each day has a theme. So when I wake up in the morning, if it's Monday morning, I know, oh, it's Monday. It's creative day. Tuesday is writing day. Wednesday is uh, writing day. Thursday is admin day. Friday is uh, audio video production day. And Saturday and Sunday are family days. So my tasks are kind of oriented around those themes as well, which means my brain has these triggers and cues before I even – you know, before I even really get out of bed. Yeah, those are, that's really cool. Okay. So, uh, the, the last question, Mike, cause we're running out of time here. I always like to ask on these interviews is what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? Uh, I think the first one is again, have a, have a clear morning and evening routine. I think both are very critical because there are more people out there that are night owls and early risers than, than you would think. Um, lots of talk about miracle mornings and all that stuff. But you know, if you have an evening routine and a morning routine, you'll be successful on either side of the equation. So that's important and know what that is and make it simple. Like you can stack these things, right? So that's number one. Number two is I do believe it's important to journal. Because it actually speeds up the review process when you actually do review because you can go back and read journal entries. And when I do what I call a rapid review, that's the first step is read your journal entries since your last review. So that way you can course correct pretty easily. And then finally, the big thing is is to work by mode is when I write things down and I capture them, I put a column at the top of each sheet of paper or whatever app you're using. You do the same thing. And it's called the daily map. So it's M-A-P-S. And at the top, I'll put M is for mode. So there's five different categories of mode which, uh, you know, I talk about at my website. The A is for action, P is for project, and S is for schedule. If you want to actually schedule something, you can do that as well. But working by mode allows you to get in that state of flow a lot easier. If you're in email mode, you're going to deal with email specifically. If you're in high energy mode, you're going to deal with high energy tasks. If you only have 30 minutes between a meeting and another meeting, maybe you're going to go into five-minute mode and knock out six tasks tasks if you can. I like that one. So modes, I think, allow you to get in that state of flow a lot easier. And yeah, there's five different categories, general modes, resource-based, which are like email, Evernote. Uh, E is energy-based, so full focus, brain dead, high energy, low energy. A are activity-based, so anything ending in an ING, so writing mode, planning mode, studying mode, reading mode. And then T for time-based modes, Uh, so five-minute mode, 25-minute mode if you're a fan of the Pomodoro technique, or 60-minute mode if you've got long things going on. But the cool thing is, is that acronym spells great. So if you really want to do great work, work by mode. I love that. That's that's that is a unique piece of advice, actually, that uh, that that I haven't heard before. So I really like that. Um, So, Mike, thank you very much. You know, where can people find out more about you? Well, anyone that's listening, you can head over to productivityist.com less slash less doing. And I've got some resources there for you. So that's a great place to start. And then you can travel into the wilds of the Productivityist website from there. And I'm at Mike Vardy on the Twitter. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Ari. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. 
you go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.